Welcome to Places, everyone. I'm Lonnie Firestone. This is the second episode in my series with high school students as part of a program I've developed for Jewish schools to expand their study of contemporary Black plays. The students spent several weeks discussing Schoolgirls or the African Mean Girls play by Jocelyn Bio. And last month, we spoke with our first guest artist, Mirai Satola, who originated the role of Mercy in the MCC production. Our second guest artist featured this episode is actress Sierra Dawn. Sierra performed in the Goodman Theater's production of Schoolgirls in Chicago. She played Paulina, the queen bee at her prestigious high school, who experiences the biggest character arc in the play. Sierra talked to us about playing a character who knows her power and potential, and how she reacts to a profound shift in her social standing. I really enjoyed this interview, especially sharing the experience with these insightful students. Here is Sierra Don. So nice to have Sierra Don with us. Um, Sierra is a Chicago-based actress who starred as Paulina, the, the lead role that we're going to be talking about in today's session at the Goodman Theater production in Chicago. And we haven't watched that production, so we've seen another take on Paulina. And it's possible Sierra might have different types of nuances that we are not as familiar with from the one that we saw. That's the beauty of theater. But I'd love to engage in a conversation based on who we know Paulina to be and to hear Sierra's thoughts on this. So I wanted to introduce this topic by saying that Paulina is a type of character who might be difficult to know personally, but she's compelling as anything to watch because she goes from being this uh, benevolent friend bestowing gifts on her classmates to an authoritarian ruler who wants to have complete power, essentially. Sierra, the way that Jocelyn Bio, the playwright, wrote this play it really demands that the actress playing Paulina, your character, has to be so flexible dramatically to be comedic, vindictive, vulnerable in the span of one scene to the next. Can you talk about which of those types of emotions and styles are the most challenging and the most delightful for you to perform? Yeah, well, I'll start by saying that as an actor, getting a script like Schoolgirls with this type of story structure for each character and specifically for Paulina as an actor feels like a gift. It feels like a gift of, oh, I'm seeing this really complex journey that has a clear beginning, middle and end and so many different colors to play with in between those moments that I can't say always come right away but whenever they do especially for this type of role and who this girl is is just a treat and I was really really excited to get to play with all of those colors because we did do some preview performances with the Goodman production um, because of COVID we weren't able to make it officially to opening night but during the rehearsal process and the preview process I really really enjoyed getting to dive into all of those different moments and just kind of feel 
how they affected the audience, how they affected the other players, and seeing what was able to be adjusted, what was able to stick, and getting to explore that every night that I did was just a gift. Is it hard to play the cruel moments? Is that fun? <laughs> well, I think it's a little bit of, it's both. It's fun because at the end of the day, pe human beings are messy. You know, we make, we make decisions that affect other people positively or negatively. That's just a part of the human experience. And going into more of the ones that affect us negatively, that lead to a point of either conflict or reconciliation and growth is what's interesting to watch in a story. So being able to play that was really, I found fun. <laughs> I'm gonna turn it to Eva with the first student question. Okay. Hi, I'm Eva. Nice to meet you. Hi, Eva. Nice to meet you, too. Um, so my question is, um, as you're playing Paulina throughout, like, throughout the show, do you think that with the way that you portray Paulina or anyone really, does she experience character growth from going from being the manipulator to being the one manipulated? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say that Paulina definitely does change by the last scene in the play. She is different in that she definitely recognizes, oh, because I've been so deeply hurt myself, I can better understand how I hurt my friends. I hurt the people that are my classmates who I'm really close with. And because ultimately, I feel like she does have a place of love for those girls, she was able to come to a point of sincere apology, sincere regret that, you know, the girls either tip, like, decided to accept or didn't, you know, and I feel like it was important for Paulina to get to that point by the last scene, especially as the audience or the readers or the audience are able to understand more and see why she is the way she is. I mean, it really makes you question, does knowing someone's vulnerability, does that mitigate all the bad things they've done? And it's the question that is brought up in the play so much. Mm -hmm. um, Elion, I want to turn it to you for the next question. Hi, I'm Elion. Hi, um, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, and I was wondering, how does Paulina change her manner of manipulation depending on whom she's talking to? Because we see uh, different varieties of that throughout the show. Right. Well, that's a good question too. I think that boils down to her understanding and knowing her friends so well that she knows their weakness, that she knows their vulnerabilities and uses their vulnerabilities to her gain, which is, you know, a sense of manipulation. But that was ultimately at the beginning of the play and towards the middle of the play too, just knowing that I know what it is about these girls that they don't want anybody else to know or may affect them in a certain way and use it as a tool to help her, help Paulina. So I feel like that's definitely her tactic was just, I know your weakness and I also know how to make life a little bit harder for you if you don't do what I want you to do. I think that the most powerful moment in the play um, is when we see Eloise, who is the recruiter for the Miss Ghana pageant mm -hmm. and the former Miss Ghana. And for a couple of who are on the people who are on the Zoom today who um, 
are, haven't watched the play yet, the, this, the whole play is set against the backdrop of a, a prep school, boarding school in Ghana, where the girls are so excited about the Miss Ghana pageant. And if they can go on to that, they can be in the Miss Universe. And it's like this huge deal. And we meet Eloise, who is a recruiter, having been Miss Ghana, and she wants to find the next dazzling superstar. And Paulina, who is poised, accomplished, and beautiful, and super popular, seems like the front runner. And then we meet the new student, Erica, who we don't know much about, but she seems lovely, and she's very, very light-skinned and possibly biracial and we're not quite sure and possibly american and this is actually based on a real historical thing where miss ghana actually was an american woman who was biracial and light-skinned and it set up this huge like backlash scandal mm -hmm. so the play is kind of inspired by that so what we see in this last one of the like penultimate second to last scene of the play is eloise showing her true colors that she's not necessarily just interested in putting forward a poised, lovely young woman to represent Ghana. She's interested in this person looking global, meaning light-skinned enough where you can't tell where she's from. And in that scene, what we see is the most overt display of racism in the play where Eloise says, I'm not going to choose a dark-skinned girl. And we realize that Paulina, who has been pulling the strings the whole time, has been out-Paulina'd by a second Paulina. Sierra, what I want to ask you about that scene, I think it's the most powerful scene of the play, is portraying Paulina in that moment when you realize there's a second Paulina at work. Right, and also I feel like in that moment, there is for Paulina a sense of sadness and disappointment because Eloise was somebody who she idolized as soon as she stepped onto their school. She saw her as this is exactly who I want to be and I just want her to love me so much because her validation would mean the world and mean that my dreams are possible. And in that moment to learn that even my idol won't choose me was just so heartbreaking. Like Paulina's heartbroken. Like this was the one thing that she wanted more than anything in the entire world that she worked so hard for. Probably like everything at school was leading up to her for this moment, which she, before Erica came, knew was hers. And to just have it all swept away from her so suddenly and unexpectedly was, I feel like her, like it was a, huge life heartbreak for her in that moment. And, you know, playing that wasn't, I can't say that was an easy thing, but that's also the beauty of being an actor, right? Being able to show those moments, being able to show those moments of, oh, my life has completely shifted in a way that I didn't expect it to. And there's a deep hurt from that, especially whenever you're, you know, in high school, right? And you're like, I'm about to be on this precipice of the next point of my life that I thought was gonna look exactly this way. And now it's not. And it's because it's like, no matter how hard I work, no matter what I do, it's never going to be enough. Like that all hit Paulina in that one moment of the play. And that was like that rock bottom for her was also the catalyst for her to change. This is Maya. Hi, Maya. Um, Paulina definitely has like a 
a pretty big character arc throughout the play. Did you think about like physically how you would portray Paulina or did it just kind of come out? Like what was your process for bringing together the physicality with Paulina, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's actually a great question. Thanks for asking. Um, I'd say it was a combination of all of those things. I had my own ideas of how she held herself and the director also is really huge about blocking and how you use physicality on stage because we were at a um, 800 seat proscenium. So, you know, it's just like they're out there and we're here. So I understood where my plane was in terms of where I walked and how I like what part of me the audience could see whenever I turned whichever direction and also keeping in mind like specifics about her character like her being from Ghana we had a West African dance teacher come in and work on movement with us as much as we worked on the dialect we also worked on worked on physicality of like how do you walk differently whenever you're in Ghana in a certain degree level of heat wearing your school uniform and what's carrying you in your bag that influences how you physically travel around the space and especially how everyone around you also walks because there's such a musicality within Ghanaian culture and within how they express themselves. So we really have that in mind whenever we were staging it, as well as another character thing of like, she wants to be, Paulina wants to be a model. She idolizes Iman. So what, and it's the 80s. So are there videos that she's watching? Certain like people in magazines who hold themselves a certain way. So like she'll do it too, because that's what she's seeing of like, this is what's beautiful. This is what's in. So let me emulate as much as I can with whatever resources I have. If that um, answers your question. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay, Elion, um, do you want to go ahead with your next one? Yeah, just because it's kind of like, um, it has to do with physicality as well. Um, so I was wondering, there's very minimal props in the show, and your character gets to use the majority of the props, like like the dress for, for the pageant, the apple um, that you give, um, and, and the whitening cream. Um, so how do you use the, the play's props to establish your character? Um, for the props department, we had, you know, the specific props that were used for the plot of the play. And then for additional props, I asked our, um, props crew if I could get an authentic Vogue magazine with Iman on the cover. And just cause I'm like, what would, what would Paulina have in her school bag other than a notebook and some textbooks? Like what would what would be for her in her bag? And I was like, yes, pictures of Iman, pictures of American models, European models from British Vogue, because they are in Ghana. So the Vogue that would be of closest access to them, especially in the eighties, would have been a 1980s edition of British Vogue. Things like that. And um, like, you know, maybe personal journals of hers, personal notebooks that I was just able to, you know, bring in myself just to have in my bag of like, when what moments would she carry these things with her? And then in what moments would she be like, actually, let me put this aside because I have this specific task to do, like getting Erica's file from Nana or, you know, going to tell people about this certain thing about Nana or about um, Mercy and Gifty. Just depending on the moment in the play of where Paulina was, would she have these magazines of like, if I'm going to be the next Miss Universe, I have to know how to pose. I have to know how to dress. I have to know how to hold myself if I am the winner. And what are those moments where she puts out a way to get down to business? Thank you. Yeah, of course. Maya, go ahead with your next question. 
So you're based in Chicago, and I've always been curious about how like certain actors decide where they want to be based in. Like, what drew you to Chicago? Thank you for that question. Interestingly enough, I'm now LA based. So I'm talking to you all from LA. I got here about two weeks ago. And before that, I was in Chicago for five years. I did my undergraduate conservatory training with Emerson College in Boston. Yeah, that's where I went to go study and train. And then after that, I had done an acting program through the Steppenwolf Theater Company in Chicago. And that was what brought me to Chicago to do their specific trainers program. And then from there, I was like, you know, let me stay in Chicago and build up my theatrical resume more and just get to learn more artists and figure out the kind of artist I want to be before going to New York or LA. And then once Schoolgirls happened, that was more of a catalyst of, okay, I'm excited to expand into more markets. And coming to LA, there was a combination of reasons for that. I mean, one of them being that theater is still, you know, on pause for quite some time with the coronavirus. And television and film is still able to pick up some level of production, which I've always been interested in as well. Plus the Chicago, for me, the Chicago winters got to be a, got to be a bit brutal after a couple of years. I was like, you know, I think I might've had enough with these winters. They're like bitterly cold in a way that I felt Boston winters weren't. And I was like, I, I, I'd like to be warm. I'd like to, you know, be able to wear short sleeves and shorts again. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm officially a LA local. And that's been a recent transition for me. But in terms of picking a specific market, there are so many factors that go into that of like, who do you want to work with? And where is their work located? You know, if it's in New York, if it's in Chicago, LA, Atlanta, a lot, it's, it's a lot more varied than I think I, I personally saw it whenever I was coming from high school to college. I was very New York focused. And I knew that I was like, okay, it's either New York or LA and that's it. And as I've been a working actor, you know, for the past, I won't say how many years, <laughs> um, I've just learned, okay, there are multiple avenues that I'm, I would hope that most high school arts programs and theater programs are just talking more about of like, you know, what, what does it look like to go to Atlanta? What does it look like to go to Chicago as opposed to going to LA or New York? Like what, do, how do those all look and how does that all align with where you want, where you want your art to be, how you want to do your art. And, um, especially whenever you're just starting out and learning too. Since there are people on the call who I know love performing, what do you think are the benefits of working in TV and film versus theater? Besides the pay. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that is one of them. <laughs> that is one of them, as well as I, because I was born and raised in Louisiana. You know, we didn't have theater, really. It was... A lot of my exposure to the arts was from film and television. And I found that especially when I went to college and a lot of my classmates were from New Jersey or around New York or around Boston or even Chicago, if they were around certain metropolitan areas, their access to theater was greater at an earlier age than it was for me. And I feel like that is a big difference from like TV and film 
the, the reach is a lot wider. And at least at the beginning of the pandemic, I appreciated how a lot more theaters were allowing streaming for their plays. Like I know for the Goodman production of Schoolgirls, we did stream for like about a month towards the beginning of the virus. And I mean, that way, the New York Times did see our show. People internationally saw our specific production. And if we hadn't streamed, that wouldn't have necessarily happened had it just been a Chicago run. And I think that that is a beautiful thing about streaming and just access virtually through, you know, film and TV that I hope, I do personally hope that there is a time where theater can, theater and like access from streaming sites are able to marry more because I even noticed like American Utopia by David Byrne is on Amazon Prime, What the Constitution Means to Me is on Amazon Prime. And I know that um, the Diana musical will be on Netflix. Like I'm hopeful that that can happen more as time goes along. So that way, no matter where you are in the country, whether it's a small town in the Midwest or the South or a major city, you still have a way to be able to see theater. Um, when people leave, oh, actually, you didn't do productions with audiences. You were not there yet. We did pre, our preview performances had audiences. Okay. So when people were leaving the theater, especially teenagers of, of all races, what were you, what were you hearing and, you know, what was like the buzz as they're walking down the sidewalk and, or people who had spoke to you after about, the the reactions and feelings especially in that age group the the same age as that as the characters i think the thing that surprised me the most was how many of them actually were so to speak on paulina's side or were like yeah i understand paulina i was anticipating more people to be you know just um taken aback by her and more people actually understood her than I anticipated. And that was a really lovely surprise. I mean, hopefully they were able to see a reflection of themselves and, you know, do their own work of understanding themselves or healing themselves a little bit more. But I was, I was very grateful to see how many people were really on this journey with her. That's so interesting. I think that probably is a testament to the way you portrayed her sensitively towards the end of the play, that people in the audience are able to come around. That's yeah, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us for the conversation today. Thank you to Sierra Dawn for wonderful insights. It's a pleasure having you. I'm only sad that we haven't seen your production. Be in touch with us. Will do. And thank you for having me on here, too. I really appreciate being able to talk to all of you yeah. and getting to meet you all. Thank you, Sierra. Have a good afternoon, everyone. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow Places Everyone on Twitter. Podcast production and original music by Cody Crabb. Artwork by Jennifer Klockner. See you next time.